Everybody all right? All right. Well, I'm so thankful that, that you're here uh, today, or if you're watching online somewhere, then uh, welcome. Glad you're diving in with us also. Uh, I've got to tell you, though, right off the bat, um, you have your work cut out for you this morning. Uh, because for the last two weeks, I have been uh, with junior high students every single day. And uh, I don't know if you've ever spoken to um, hundreds of junior hires, um, but there's a lot of energy in that room. And so uh, just to give you a little glimpse of what you are up against uh, over the next 30 minutes, um, it was up at a camp in the Sequoia National Forest, and then they have another one down in San Diego that I was at. This is from San Diego last week. Take a look. just during the sermon. So uh, if you glaze over, I'm going to fall asleep right now. So any, uh, any sort of like uh, bad smells that you need to emit or whatever would make me feel right at home uh, just for the next half hour. Um, being, being in those, those camps with these amazing junior high students, uh, it just blows me away just to see the, the joy that is in their, their hearts. And uh, there's just this freshness and this energy that I wish I could bottle and contain. And, and I love watching them just kind of process through an awful lot and then kind of receive it and uh, just not overthink it too much like we do as adults and, and then just kind of say, okay, now like, let's go change the world. Like there, there's this simplicity to it. It's just so uh, refreshing. At the same time, there is, as you are all super aware, there is such a, a sadness that comes with that stage of life. It's not an easy stage of life to go through, but even at this particular moment in history, as compared to uh, maybe when when you grow up or whatever, uh, the things that they're facing, uh, the darkness of things that they experience and face or tempted by or whatever are are often uh, things that I didn't have to face uh, until 10, 15 years later in my life. And to hear their stories, the stuff that they were wrestling with and things that they were processing through, um, just enough to just break your heart. Um, But the joy part mixed with that. I mean, that's, isn't that life? I mean, that's all of us. I mean, there's the days where you feel great and then the days where you're just trashed and you're like, man, I I don't even know if I can make sense of getting through today. Um, At one point in the in the week, what I like to do with them is just describe like when you're stepping into this relationship with God, it's not an easy road. Uh, He's calling you to walk this narrow path and it's difficult to to walk when you're trying to follow Jesus, especially today. And so um, I I invite a student up. I just randomly pick one and he comes up on the stage and I say, what I want you to do here is I want you to take uh, toe to toe, step across the front of the stage and kind of get from point A to point B. And I say, okay, I'm going to count to three, and then you go. One, two, three, go. And then he starts to walk. And then when he gets in front of me, I push him off the stage. <laughs> it's my favorite part of the whole week. And, um, 
And I say, no, I'm just messing with you. And I, I bring him back up and I, I explain, you know, this is a tough road, but there's also an enemy out there that wants to do whatever he can to push you off the, the path. And, uh, and so I say, give it, give it one more try. And so one, two, three, and then he starts to walk and then I push him off again. And, and, and this time I bring him back up and I say, but the cool thing is God has not called uh, you and I to walk out the Christian life alone. Uh, he has given us relationship. He's given us friends that can protect you from what the enemy wants to do to you. And what a horrible thing is if you and I have to live out our relationship with Jesus alone, but he's given us each other in that journey. So I turn to the little guy that's walking there and I say, invite three of your friends up here uh, with you. And so he turns and he grabs three of his junior high buddies and then they come up and I say, okay, here, we're going to do the same thing. On the count of three, I'm going to have you walk toe to toe from point A to point B. Uh, but this time I'm going to rush you at full speed, you know, football style. And your friends, your three friends are, are going to protect you. They're going to block. They're going to punch me, whatever they need to do to slow me down. You, you protect your friend. One, two, three. And he starts to go and, and I rush. And because the junior hires are, are junior high, like I, they slow me down for sure, but they don't stop me. And so that's a blessing to have friendships. But what you really need is a friendship with God and knowing that he's given us relationship. That's good. But relationship with him is even better. And so then I say that and then I say, uh, now I want to invite somebody up. And then I've already picked out like a counselor, an adult in the room. And I have them come up with the three friends to protect the, the child from walking across and not dying. And so I, I always sit in the back before this is going on during the worship, and I'm just kind of scanning the crowd. Where's the biggest counselor? And on this particular Sunday, just this last week or, or last uh, week, uh, I, I'm looking, and there was one counselor that even sitting down, he was enormous. He was the largest human being I've ever seen. And I thought, that's my guy. And so I got up and we've got the friends defending. And I go, but guys, what you really need, you really need the protection, not just of friends, but you need the protection of the Holy Spirit. And I say, come help me. And I point out this guy and this guy, he, I, he stands up. I don't know if you've ever seen a solar eclipse but he just kept standing up. How are you still standing up? I'm looking up and I thought, this is going to hurt. <laughs> and and he, he came walking down the aisle, lumbering this way. There's planets orbiting around his chest. This was the largest. I found out later that he played Division I football in college as a center on the line. And so... I bring him up and okay, yeah, here's the Holy Spirit. And then here's your friends. And on count of three, I'm going to rush you as hard as I can. And uh, so you probably don't even need the friends. Just let the Holy Spirit here, incredible bulk, go for it. And, we'll, and so I said, okay, here we go. One, two, three. That's the last thing I remember. <laughs> no joke. He just caught me and I flew about 10, 15 feet back. I slammed up against the set that was behind me and I got a concussion from the Holy Spirit. This was, this was not good times. I, 
It was, it was not good for my, my body, uh, but it was really good for the illustration. <laughs> and, and I think about that a lot. There's, there's things that you and I deal with in life that, that we go, you know what, that's bad for my body, but, but maybe it's not bad for my soul. Uh, there's a circumstance, there's a situation, there's a series of events, there's a moment with other people or a moment with yourself or maybe even a moment with God that at face value and, and even experientially you go, this, this is going to be quite painful or this is going to be challenging or this is very, very difficult, uh, but it might be really, really good for your life. Today we're going to talk about a really odd moment in the scriptures where a man named Jacob gets in a wrestling match with God. And it's found in the book of Genesis, first book of your Bible, if you're not real familiar, Genesis, and then go to chapter 32. Uh, If you have your Bible, open up to Genesis 32. You got an app with the Bible app on there. Go for that. Genesis chapter 32 is this moment where, where honestly, it's a really odd moment in scripture. Uh, Jacob is the grandson of Abraham and the son of Isaac and very influential in uh, the, the early history uh, of the patriarchs of the Old Testament as God's establishing his people. I mean, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, these are the, the first big three. And uh, Jacob is also the twin brother of Esau. Uh, Jacob, his name means deceiver or grabber. And it was kind of interesting being a twin. Then uh, his mom goes into labor and Esau came out just ahead of him. So technically uh, he's firstborn. And as then Jacob comes out right after grabbing onto the heel of his brother Esau. And and so that heel grabber and everything that that kind of denotes uh, really came to summarize this guy, Jacob, That, that he was kind of a deceptive sort of individual, a manipulative sort of individual. He would grab and scheme for opportunity as they came. And his life really was marked by that time and time again. He's just deceiving and manipulating. He's in a family, honestly, that that didn't really have much trouble either with deceiving and manipulating. When it was time for Isaac, Jacob and Esau's dad, to pronounce his blessing on them, uh, the firstborn would get the best blessing. And you know the story. Jacob swoops in and steals the blessing out from under Esau. Well, understandably, that ticked off Esau. And Esau, in, in fact, threatens to, uh, to kill his brother Jacob for, for stealing. And so now, now you just talk about family discord and family drama and tension and fighting and whatnot. And, and really, like he deserved any tension that came with it because Jacob kind of did uh, something pretty deceptive and, and manipulative. Well, he runs off to a different land to live with his uncle. And uh, he gets married, and then he becomes a man of wealth and, and uh, power. And, uh, and yet, through all of this, years and years later, some 20-some-odd years later, he is still wrestling over some tension with his brother. 
Uh, It's amazing what past guilt will do to you. It's amazing what a moment, a super long time ago, if you continue to carry it and it's left unresolved, how much that can hamstring believers, how much it can just hamstring people in general. But Jacob's continuing to wrestle through this. And so he, he wants to reach out to his brother Esau, who is now also an influential man and says, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to send all these gifts to my brother. I want to reconcile. I want to reach out. So I'm going to send donkeys and sheep and goats and cattle and, and, and servants. And I'm going to send them as a gift to my brother. Try to patch it up. In other words, he's going to do whatever is humanly possible to try to cover up his guilt. And he sends all the stuff off and word gets back. Hey, guess what? Esau's coming. And Jacob's like, oh, that's great. Well, it might not be that great. He's coming, but he's bringing 400 of his men with him. And now Jacob understandably is nervous. What he feared uh, seems like that's what's going to happen. My brother is still holding this hostility and hatred for me, understandably so. He's going to come and he's going to wipe me out. He's going to wipe out all my possessions. You can catch the fear and anxiety starting to build up. He's going to wipe out my family. He could wipe me out. And so he sends his family across the little tributary that went into the Jordan River. And then there he is. And that's where we dive in. Look at Genesis chapter 32, verse 22. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives. Now you know why he's so angsty his two female servants and then 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. Hold on there. He's now alone. When is the last time that you've ever been, I mean, really alone? I mean, you've had some downtime, some quiet time. I mean, you could be uh, physically alone, not other people around, but your mind's racing. You've got a million things to do. When's the last time that you've had more than 15, 30 minutes of being alone? If you're a parent, that hasn't happened in like a decade, so forget about it for you. But the rest of you, how often are you alone? This is actually kind of an interesting and powerful moment and really becomes a turning point for Jacob. Where, where I believe like when we're alone, one of two things happens. Either when we're alone, we, we become really susceptible to whatever the enemy has in store for us. Uh, the, the worry, the anxiety. Um, we're, we're not occupied by anything to distract us from what's going on. So then we start to stress out over everything. When we're alone, the enemy comes in. You ever wake up at... For me, it's, it's like 3.12 a.m. And I'm, I'm, I'm awake enough to be thinking about all the stuff that's stressing me out, but I'm not awake enough to reason really well. And my mind kicks in, and those, those can be some of the longest nights where you're just processing. Wheels are spinning, 
And the enemy can come in and, and put so much doubt and weight on you. And th- those are stressful. So oftentimes when we're alone, it's not a good thing. No wonder a lot of us like just to stay constantly busy in a life that's constantly noisy because God forbid you turn down the volume and actually check in with yourself. But there's another opportunity. There's another possibility that when we are alone, that that it's an opportunity for God to command our full attention. And that's what kind of turns out to be the case here with Jacob. He's now left alone. The entourage and all that goes with it that's normally with him, it's not there. He is all alone. And God has commanded his full attention. And he's got all his fear, all his stress, all his worry, all his anxiety. What's my brother going to do? How am I going to get out of this? What's going to happen? And he's just left there, just him and God. Look what happens, verse 24 and on. He's all alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Now it says a man here, and it will continue to say that through this passage until we get to the end. But what we discover by the end is that this is no man. Uh, It comes in appearance as a man, but this is actually God himself. And he may be taking the guise of an angel or an angel of the Lord, but God wrestled with Jacob till daybreak. I wonder how many of you have had those seasons, those moments where you've wrestled with God. That's a different sort of wrestling than wrestling relationally with people or even just wrestling like with your own thought life. But there's times where where you have these doubts, these questions, these frustrations, and rightly so, they can only go to God uh, to be processed and kind of wrestled through. And, and I like, though, that it says uh, that God wrestled with Jacob. Because I think that's accurate here. Your, your Bible probably has a little heading for this part of the text that says um, Jacob wrestles with God. How many of you, your Bible says that? That's the heading for this. Jacob wrestles with God, okay? And you know that this, those titles are not God-breathed. Some editor put that there. And it's not entirely wrong. Jacob's wrestling with God. But from God's perspective, God wrestled with Jacob. I don't think that Jacob was there stressing out, freaking out, And then here comes this man who's really God and reaches out and goes, I need to wrestle with you and work something out. God initiates this. God looks and says, hey, Jacob, there are some things that I need to uh, forcibly remove out of your life. There's some things that are only going to get resolved by us wrestling through this together. There is some uh, of your scheming and your self-reliance that I want to wrestle out of you. I want to take off of you. And so he starts in on that. And they wrestle all the way through daybreak. You think this is what Jacob wanted? (laughs) The night as his brothers advancing with 400 
You have those moments where you're, you're wiped out, you're tired, you can't take any more, and then, really, God, now we're going to wrestle? Why, why do that? Well, look, we'll keep talking. It says, when the man, God, saw that he could not overpower him. So when God saw that he could not overpower Jacob, he, God, touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he was wrestled, uh, as he wrestled with the man. So uh, it, it gives the appearance here that, that there's kind of an uh, even match going on. It seems kind of even. Oh, it looks like Jacob holds his own. It's looked like he, he, he can kind of overpower uh, uh, God, and God can't overpower Jacob. That, that's the appearance of the wrestling match. You ever think, you know what? I could take God. <laughs> of course, you would never, ever say, I could totally take God. But in our actions, we say it all the time. I would never utter those words. And even as they're coming out of my mouth, I, I, it sounds ridiculous. Well, then why do I live like I, I could take God? Or at least I could take God out of the equation. And know that, that all that's going on in this wrestling match is just the appearance that things are uh, equal, that they're equally matched, man and God. And I love the grace in that. Because at any moment, as you see here, God just has to snap his fingers, touch the hip, blink, do the bewitched nose deal. I don't know what he did, but end the whole wrestling match. I mean, that's, that's all that he, he had to do. But there's so much grace that God gives us in allowing us wrestling with him. You know, that, that's okay. For you to wrestle with him, uh, to process stuff with him, to, to, to scuffle. God's big enough to handle it. And you're not going to hurt him. But the appearance here is, is just that. It's just an appearance. God reaches out and touches his hip, dislocated. Boom. That was a game changer. That really was it. At this point, he's, he's out of the picture. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. God said, let me go. For it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What's going on there? God says, okay, it's daybreak. Let me go. Was it that God could not get out of the grip of Jacob? No. He's just touched him and dislocated his hip. He, he's giving the appearance here that, hey, we can spar and we can fight. But while we're wrestling... I am doing something to your will. Jacob, you got a stubborn will. You got a strong will. You probably even got some physical strength. But the minute I want to stop the wrestling, it's going to stop because I'm God. And, and so then he, he says, uh, hey, Jacob, let me go because it's daybreak. We've been wrestling all night long. 
In other words, uh, God's the one setting the beginning and the ending to the wrestling. It's just like God looks down and just, uh, Jacob just says, enough, enough wrestling. Wrestling has its purpose. Wrestling has its place. But it is not meant to go on indefinitely. What is it about wrestling with ourselves or with other people or with God? What is it about wrestling in, in, in those contexts that becomes so oddly addictive? You ever meet people that can't ever seem to stop wrestling with themselves or with other people or certainly with God? God had a place for the wrestling for a while, but they missed the, hey, it's daybreak. Stop it. We're done. I have a, 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 a whole different day ahead, not just nighttime for you. Now I'm preaching to myself right now. This, this is not my strong suit. I don't wrestle a whole lot relationally with other people. I wrestle with myself. Super frustrated. It's the stand-up comedy thing filled with loathing and self-hatred and all sorts of things. And this just comes with it. And you got to laugh to make yourself happier, other people happy. And it's just all that whole, whole thing. But I, I'm wrestling constantly. And yet I look here and for all of Jacob's faults, I love how he responds. God says, let me go. Enough. Done with the wrestling right here and right now. And I love what Jacob says. I'll not let you go unless you bless me. Uh-uh. I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. I want you to give me what you really have for me. I don't want just the wrestling. I don't want just the pain. I want just the sleepless nights. But what a measure of tight-fisted faith Jacob has here. To cling to God and say, bless me. I get you're not some man. You're the one who can bless me. That's why I'm holding on to you. And I'm not going to let go. Thanks for humoring me as we wrestled. But now I know who you are. Bless me. I'm not letting go. Gosh, when's the last time you clung to God so desperate for a blessing? Like, I mean, the other part that just blows me away in this is It's okay to ask God for a blessing. I'm not good at that either. I get so used to the wrestling and the struggle and think, well, this side of heaven, that's all we get. And it's just going to be tough and challenging. And to a certain extent that's there, but it's not just okay to ask God for a blessing. It's important. He wants to. I think the last thing he wants is just for us to get stuck in an eternal wrestling match. But he has blessings for us. Here and now. So ask. Pray and seek him. Wrestle through whatever it is that you're wrestling through, but then get to the other side. God bless me. Um, no, don't go on yet. 
you know what? The, the thing is, is that I, I think it is, it's, there's something really to be said for someone who wrestles with God, but there's really something to be said for someone who wrestles with God and, and then comes out the other side, recognizing his greatness and compared to my greatness. You, you rest, I, I, I don't know that you and I will be able to conquer anything until we allow God to conquer us. And there's some stuff here in Jacob's life that just needed to be conquered. And God knew that and graciously walking through this process with him. In the past, Jacob would have been relying on his wit to get him out of whatever and into whatever. Now he is relying only on the blessing of God. Oh, that we would end up there. He's reduced to not even being able to fight anymore. All he can do is hang on. Have you ever been there? That's not just okay. That's appropriate. I think for a while, Jacob probably thought the real enemy was outside of himself. The real enemy was the brother. You meet people like that all the time. Every, every, the problem is always somebody else. Always, always somebody else. There was probably during this wrestling match, there was probably a shift where he started to think, you know what? The problem probably isn't my brother that's coming to kill me, I think. I think maybe the problem's with God. You ever a moment where you feel like God's the enemy? I mean, if you're honest, I've had those. And yet, I, I don't know much at 40 years old at all. One thing I do know, God's not the problem. God isn't the one that deserves the blame. He's not the problem. It's not even these other people. You know the real problem? It's the enemy. It's sin. It's my own sinful nature. It's me. And I think there's a whittling away that Jacob finally gets to, to go, you know what? Yeah, this, it's not them. God, it's not you. Thank you for wrestling this out of me. In the Christian life, uh, you win by losing. That's a paradigm shift. You give up to go up. You surrender everything, then you got everything. You want to save your life, then you lose it. It's not an easy road. Verse 27. The man, God, asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Jacob knows who this is. Then he blessed him there. So after the wrestling match, then God says, what's your name? God knows his name. What's your name? Jacob. He had to audibly out loud say, my name is Jacob. It means deceiver. I, I, I audibly confess uh, the label, uh, maybe an accurate description of who you have been. 
But then God says, but that's no longer your name. That's who you were. Now, let me tell you who you are. Israel. And the description here is kind of what Israel means. Uh, Israel doesn't mean deceiver. It doesn't mean grabber. It doesn't mean manipulative. It means one who struggles with God and then overcome. And then sometimes in Hebrew, they would switch the phrasing around. So it's not just one who struggles with God or, and overcomes, but God overcomes. God prevails. God rules. And so there's an identity shift that happens where Jacob says goodbye to his old name and his old way of life and steps into his new identity, his new way of life. What is more true about him is what God has said about him. And now how God defines him is God prevails over you. God rules over you. What took place to go from the old life to the new life? Uh, quite the wrestling match. Some of you there today. There's been the labels. There's been the sins. There's been things that have been accurate of you and not so much in the past. And there's been a wrestling match going on. But I believe there's a blessing on the other side. And he wants to speak life over you and something New, a brand new start to who you are, a forgiveness of your sins and a transformation of your heart and your soul, where you go from being an enemy of God to a friend of God. You go from being a sinner to being righteous. You go from being guilty to not guilty. And that's all made possible because of what God does for us, namely through the person of Jesus Christ, who came and died and rose again take the punishment that we deserve for our sin so that we could be free. Could we stand on our new name? Now, from this point on, Jacob has some moments where he stands on the name and some where he doesn't. If you continue to read through uh, the rest of his life, Jacob gets referred to as Jacob twice as many times as Israel from this moment on, which tells me he had some trouble. But look at verse 30. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Have any people that are limping in here today? Uh, either by your own, some of you are limping just because you're old. That's just the, the fact. But, but you're limping for one reason or another. You've had a wrestling match. You've had a hardship. You've had a difficulty. And it left its mark. But left to God's full devices and plans, oh man, what the enemy meant for evil, God can use for good. He can redeem and restore. That's what God does. And so just a question, would you rather have no limp, but also no blessing? Or would you rather limp forever and have the abundant blessings of Almighty God? 
A lot of you are going, I'd rather limp and have no limp and all the blessings. Like, just give them to me now. That's called heaven. And someday that'll be true for all of us. But in the meantime, what might be a challenge for your body just might be really, really good for your soul. And so, Father, we, uh, we just are so thankful for your patience. I pray specifically for those that are wrestling with you today because of something that you and they are still trying to work out. I ask, Lord, that you would uh, be gracious as the wrestling goes on. I ask also that in your due time, you'd call it quits and they would have ears to hear. That when enough is enough of the wrestling, that they would hear that from you. And that you would prompt them to reach out for how much you want to bless them. If that's you here in the room today with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, if you're here today and you just go, you know what, I don't know who Jesus is and I have not stepped into a relationship with him. I, I've been wrestling with God. But I think I'm just stuck in the, the old descriptor, my old name. And I'm hearing God say enough. The wrestling's over and today you want to surrender your life to Jesus, then you can do that just right where you are. You just talk to him out of the sincerity of your own heart. God, forgive me. Sick and tired of wrestling, manipulating, deceiving. Please forgive me of my sin. I know that Jesus came to forgive me of my sin. But I know, God, that you've got a new life, a new name, a new identity for me as a child of yours. You've got blessings on the other side. And I want to know you. I'm handing the keys of my life over to you, Jesus. You just talk to God about that if that's you. If that is you, then... I would love just right where you are, if you just talk to God about stepping into that relationship with him, would you just raise a hand up right where you are? I just want to be praying for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. You can put your hands down. You are more loved than you can possibly imagine. God's got tremendous blessings for you. Father, I also pray for those in this room that are wrestling and maybe even wrestling with you, but not necessarily because of anything that they've done. They're wrestling with you just because life has been so hard and challenging and it's something recent, it's something a long time ago, or the whole scope of it has just been one thing after another and they're tired. They need your touch, they need your blessing. They know all about the limp. 
but they need to be reminded that you're good and that you're faithful and that you're strong and that you're the one who blesses. You're the one who prevails. Remind them of that now. Turn the corner on whatever it is that they're going through and bless them, Father. And Lord, we, we just stand for one last minute or two here to respond to you with our voices and take the good truths of this song and press them on our hearts. We receive what we're about to sing as a blessing from you. In Jesus' name, amen.